Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your soul. Let this podcast be your occasion to discover hope, give thanks, and have faith come alive in you. I'm Pastor Hayden Kwame, and today I'm going to be sharing a message about the difference between being entertained 
and being changed. If you've spent time around children, then you likely have a strong sense that a kid knows the difference between being used for a good story or for a good laugh and being loved as a child, being valued as a person. Something like that is going on in this gospel story today between King Herod and John the Baptizer. In this reading that you are about to hear, Herod ends up having John murdered. But before that, they go back and forth in some conversation. And the question is, is Herod anything more than entertained by John? As we share in Christian community, we too get to engage in conversation with God. And God's words hopefully don't just entertain us, but actually change us. And likewise, as we rub off on each other in community together, were changed for the better. A reading from the Gospel of Mark. King Herod heard of the disciples preaching and healing, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that John was a righteous and holy man, and so he protected him. When Herod heard John, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests, And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? Her mother replied, The head of John the baptizer. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Here ends the reading. As I conclude my time as a pastoral resident at St. Paul here, there's a question that has been on my mind, and that is what makes an experience formative? I could name all kinds of things that have been formative about this experience, from the relationships and friendships that I've made to the fellowships that have been shared to the mentorship, not to mention the ministry experiences before and in the midst of the pandemic. But I've also been thinking about all kinds of other formative experiences, some of which I'm familiar with and others that are totally foreign to me. Say, for instance, going to basic camp, basic training for people joining the army or going to medical school. 
or maybe just a week of church camp or going on a mission trip. High school or college make the list of many of our formative experiences, and it may have something to do with the classes we took or the books that we read, but just as likely it has to do with the relationships that we formed. It has to do with a club or a team that we were a part of. Maybe it has to do with a volunteer experience we had or an opportunity we had to spread, spend some time abroad somewhere else. What all of this reveals, to me at least, is that something has to do more than pique our curiosity. Something has to do more than just be interesting or exciting or enjoyable in order for it to succeed at forming us. Those things might help, but by themselves they aren't enough. One of the first things I did when I came to St. Paul about two years ago was participate in a CPR certification class right there in the library commons. I can remember the day well because my mind was kind of racing as I tried to piece together the people that I was meeting as well as the space that I was in while at the same time trying to take in the barrage of CPR and first aid information that was coming our way from the facilitators. The way it went, as I remember, is I finally got out of my head when we were asked to get up out of our chairs, go down onto the ground and actually practice the skills of CPR and using those AED machines. We had a partner and we would take turns practicing the skills. I think that was supposed to be the formative part before we ended with a little bit more information. I really enjoyed the day, especially getting to meet some of the people that I would be spending these two years with and getting a little bit acquainted with the space and kind of easing my way into St. Paul life. But frankly, I have to say that because of all the ways in which my mind was pulled different directions, I have little confidence that I was prepared that day to attend to someone in some kind of health crisis. And that's probably not a good thing. A CPR training class is not exactly the sort of thing that you or I undergo just to have a good time or to be entertained for a bit. When you leave that CPR class, you want to have some confidence that you've got the fundamentals down, that if you're called upon in a crisis, well, you've at least got a few tools in your toolbox, you're ready to go. That's at least my sense. That little card in your wallet that says that you've completed the course, it's not just a ticket stub, it's supposed to be this indicator of your readiness to help if needed. Most of us have an intuitive sense between simply having a good time and being formed or even being deeply changed. I can really enjoy a good soccer game. I will never be a good soccer player. You might be able to appreciate a fun rodeo, but my guess is that you're not about to go become a bull rider yourself. If you are, I want to hear about it before I go. As I consider this gospel story today, I can't help but wonder if Herod has these two things mixed up a bit 
enjoying or being pleased by something on the one hand and being changed by something on the other. Herod is kind of a big deal, or at least he thinks of himself that way. He has a lot of people on his payroll, and he's used to people paying him a lot of attention, listening well to what he has to say. And he's got a pedigree that at least impresses some people, and all of this adds up to Herod enjoying being in the limelight. He likes to entertain, and he also likes being entertained by others. In fact, in this kind of caricature that we get of him in Mark's version of the story today, it would seem as if entertainment actually takes up this big chunk of Herod's life. And so, in this story, he has a problem, and that problem is a person named John the Baptizer. You and I could understandably mistake John for something like an entertainer. After all, who wouldn't like to go out to the wilderness and see this guy clothed in camel's hair with this leather belt around his waist, eating locusts and wild honey? It sounds like quite the sight to me. And Herod, too, was drawn to John's presence, but they've gotten off to something of a rocky start. And that's because Herod has decided to marry his brother, Herodi- his brother Philip's wife, Herodias, which is a move outside of Jewish law, and so John has called him on it. This has kind of infuriated Herodias, who enjoys being married, married to Herod. She's not so happy about this, and so she wants to see Herod have John killed. Well, Herod's not quite willing to do that. Instead, he just throws John into prison. And the upshot of this is that this little exchange is only the beginning of some back and forth between Herod and John. Because as John is down there in the prison or the dungeon or whatever it might be, Herod chooses to start spending some of his evenings heading down the stairs so that he and John can have a little chat, and so especially he can listen to John. Herod is curious. I'd go so far as to say Herod is fascinated by this man, John. He really wants to know what John is all about. And while I wish that we did, we don't have the transcripts of their conversations, and I have no idea what it's like to be in prison trying to speak with a king. But the sense we do get from the whole of Scripture is that every time John meets someone, he really wants to open their eyes. Specifically, he wants them to catch something of God's perspective on the world, what we sometimes call the kingdom of God. And so I have to imagine that even though he's in prison and even though he's talking to Herod, this king, that it's no exception that John really wants Herod to take a deep look at his life and start wondering a bit. The problem is that as the story goes on to make clear, Herod's interest in John doesn't go much past liking him. He enjoys to listen to him. John's words are kind of perplexing to Herod. He doesn't quite know what to do with them, but he likes them. The problem is that's just kind of where it stops. 
Herod can't really imagine anything of John's life rubbing off on his own. At least for now, John's words aren't changing a darn thing in Herod's life. It seems he's able to sort of keep him to the side of his imagination, almost like a prop or a court jester, no one that he's going to take seriously. And so instead, in Herod's mind, John is reduced to something like another entertainer, one of many, it seems, in Herod's life. So the night of Herod's birthday comes and he throws this big party. He has a bunch of high-profile guests over to his house for dinner and serves this lavish, multi-course meal. And as they finish up dessert, Herod calls his daughter into the room so that she can dance for the guests, and apparently uh, they're pleased by this. And so Herod, wanting to impress them, his guests that is, as a sort of mock thank you to his daughter, says, your wish is my command. Whatever you want, I will give you up to half my kingdom, let's say. And this is where the story takes a tragic turn because Herod's daughter asks for John to be killed. The story tells us that Herod is deeply grieved by this, but apparently not deeply enough, because he swiftly has John executed there in prison, and as far as we can tell, just goes on with the party. Herod was entertained by John, But the idea of actually being changed by him was either laughable to Herod or unthinkable or maybe it terrified him. I'm not sure which. Maybe if John and Herod could have had some more time together, something would have been different. Maybe John would have succeeded in bringing something of God's perspective into Herod's imagination. But as it is, that didn't happen. And so we're left to just think about our own lives. And for us, what a gift it is that we get to recognize anew all the time when we come to church the life-changing reality of what John was trying to tell Herod all about. As we say, worship, our gathering as a Christian community, is not a spectator sport. We engage in worship together wanting to be formed worked on, molded, and even changed, rather than simply entertained. You don't come to church just wanting to have your perspective on things confirmed. My guess and my hope is that when you come to church, you're kind of excited to have your take on things shifted a bit, nudged around a little bit. You encounter lives totally different than your own, And you end up praying for things that you likely would not have thought of by yourself. This is such a profound privilege to be able to engage with each other, not only for a good laugh or wonderful music or to pass some time over delicious donuts while all of that is great. In addition to all of that, we get to have an ear in these moments that we share toward the possibility of being changed. It could happen any time. And in healthy Christian community, I'm convinced it's happening all the time. This is certainly the kind of community that you all have welcomed me into during these last two years at St. Paul. 
we end up just rubbing off on each other in all kinds of unpredictable ways, all toward this goal and promise of being formed into people of Jesus, this one who humbled himself that he might share God's healing, forgiveness, and new life. That is what Herod was, that is what John was trying to nudge Herod toward all along, and that's where John nudges us. So rather than try to squeeze a goodbye into the end of this sermon, I'd rather, if you could, if we could just leave that as the preaching moment and transition together for a brief farewell. As I've said to many of you, as excited as my family and I are to move to Rochester, it's also with a lot of sadness for me that we leave St. Paul. These two years have been totally unforgettable, and they've formed me in some deep ways. St. Paul will always be the first place where my daughter attended preschool. It'll always be the church where my son was baptized. And 50 years from now, God willing, when I remember the pandemic, all my memories will be tied up with you all and with this church. And as I look ahead to the rest of my life in ministry, It'll always be with deep gratitude that I remember the relationships, the friendships, the life experiences that you all shared with me here at St. Paul. So thank you so very much for your generosity and your faithfulness and your warmth. Thank you for your willingness to support this residency program and be such an outlet for the residents past and I know future And thank you so much for caring about and loving me as a person. God's peace be yours and mine. Amen. Every
I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the many far-reaching ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.